Blog Talk Radio. Women have the power to transform this world. We can end crime and violence if we all agree to do one thing. Share. Let's share our wisdom, share our time, share our talents, share our finances, but most of all, let's share our love. This is The Female Solution. Join me, Naima Latif, every morning, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Standard Time, as we bring you stimulating discussions about the issues affecting our lives. If you're listening online at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash the-female-solution, press the blue button that says follow and get our daily topics every morning directly to your email and your smartphone. Hi, I'm Naima Latif, executive producer of the Female Solution Radio Show. We invite you to call in 515-605-9325 and participate in this daily think tank as we examine the challenges we face and develop solutions that restore peace and harmony. We are global transformers, changing the world from the way it is to the way it should be. We are one. Wherever we live on this earth, we are one human family. On behalf of our team of radio hosts, I'd like to extend a greeting to all the members of our family, whenever and wherever you may be listening around the world. To our family in China, Ni Hao. In India, Namaste. In Japan, Konnichiwa. In Korea, Annyeonghaseyo. In Russia, Zdrastutsye. In Germany, Guten Tag. In Poland, Dzień Dobry. In France, Bonjour. In Spain, Hola. In Italy, Ciao. In Egypt, Athen Wasalan. In Ghana, Akwaba. In Nigeria, Peleo. In South Africa, Saobona. In Senegal, Nangadef. In Kenya, Jambo. In Israel, Shalom. In Pakistan, Afghanistan, and Saudi Arabia, Assalamu Alaikum. Greetings, and may peace be upon you all. Hi, I'm Naima Latif. Join me and my co-host Kareem Hamid every Wednesday morning, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. on the Female Solution Radio Show as we explore that relationship that is the foundation for our society, the relationship between men and women, husbands and wives. Join our discussion as we seek to repair broken family ties and rebuild our community. Listen online at www.blogtalkradio.com slash the-female-solution. Call in and comment 515-605-9325. Press 1 to speak to our host. Or you can join us live on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash the-female-solution. joining us on this Wednesday edition of the Female Solution Global Radio TV Show. I'm Naima Latif, and we'll be joined by our co-host, Kareem Hamid, for a conversation we want you to participate in. We need to make a cultural shift in our thinking, and this is not something that we have not talked about before or even lived before, but certainly need to bring back because we need 
to make some changes in the way we raise our children. Now, the way we've been taught to think is that a couple gets married when they're financially and emotionally mature, and then they raise their children. And they should have the capability of rearing their children because they've reached a certain level of maturity and stability. In our culture, we tend to form these nuclear families, basically isolated units of young couples raising children. And if they have difficulties, we look down on them. And if they make mistakes, then we castigate them and punish them. But the fact of the matter is, and as that saying goes, it takes a village to raise a child. We should not have children raising children, and yet we do. We're not mature enough at age 21, 25, or 30 even to have all the wisdom that it takes to raise children. And in healthy cultures, it's the elders that raise children. And young people enjoy the beauty and wonder of youthful living and sexual expression without fear that they don't have enough money to raise a child in case someone gets pregnant. We're going to talk about that because our backwards belief about child rearing is what has created the problems in our society. Children raising children, and look at the mess they've made, and look at our children today. We're going to bring in our co-host, Karima Mead, after this quick break, and we want you to call in 515-605-9325 and press 1 when you're ready to add your comments because it's time for us to change our culture to one that is more community-based, more extended family-based, and more in harmony with nature's way of allowing young people to be the expressive, sensuous people that they are without the fear, guilt, and repression that we try to enforce that is not and has not and never will work. We'll be right back after this quick break, so we invite you to stick and stay. Don't stray away. We'll be back in a moment. Stay with us. Hi, I'm Barbara. I'm Cheryl. And I'm Naima. We're three black moms. And in case you didn't notice the resemblance, We're also three sisters. We're going to be coming to you every week, sharing our successes and our mistakes as we navigate our lives as moms, wives, sisters, daughters, and, of course, black women in today's world. We'll talk about it all. Race, politics, religion, economics, culture, and we'll take a look at everything from whether or not to use corporal punishment to how do you teach your children about sex. Look for our upcoming book, Growing Up Charles, 
It's a personal story about our lives growing up in Maple Park on Chicago's South Side. I'm Barbara. I'm Cheryl. And I'm Naima. We're Three Black Moms. Follow us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Three Black Moms. Solution Global Radio TV Show invites you to an invigorating conversation with our team of hosts Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Time. Start your week with Monday Morning Mindfulness with Zelda Speaks. Tuesdays, Self-Self-Care with Jody Susan. Wednesdays, Repairing Broken Families with Naima Latif and co-host Kareem Hamid. Thursdays, Soulful Solutions with Dr. Debbie Green. And Fridays, Health and Well-Being with Beata. Saturdays, tune in 12 noon to 2 p.m. Central Time. First Saturday, Success Strategies with Jana. Second Saturday, Wendy Williams Esquire on Relationships. Third Saturday, Move Around with Deborah. And fourth Saturday, Wisdom with Mama D. Join us Sundays, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Central Time for Soul Purpose Healing with Beata. Call in and comment, 515-605-9325. Press 1 to speak to the host and be a part of the solution. Stay away. We'll be 
right back after these brief messages. And if you're listening online and want to join this conversation, give us a call, 515-605-9325, and press 1 when you're ready to speak, and we'll come right to you and get your thoughts as we talk about changing the culture and preparing our youth by having them raised by wise elders. It makes a lot of sense. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Do you worry about finances, family, health, jobs, relationships? Are you in pain? Do you feel stuck? If you answered yes to any of these questions, help is available. Don't worry, you're not alone. It's part of the human process. You only feel this way because you haven't mastered the voices in your head. No hype, just down-to-earth, solid, workable tools and techniques that you can practice daily. It's really food for the soul, whether you want to learn how not to worry about anything, reverse type 2 diabetes, publish a book, promote your product or service, or just make extra money. To take advantage of the deal of the day, go to zeldaspeaks.com or call 312-409-6619. Mention promo code The Female Solution and get free shipping. That's zeldaspeaks.com or 312-409-6619. Stop worrying today. Visit zeldaspeaks.com. And press 1 when you are 
ready to add your voice to this conversation because I believe it's going to be a good one. And as always, you can also call in at 515-605-9891 on our American Muslim 360 line, and our co-host Kareem Hamid can open your mic. Make sure you press 1. That lights your number up on our switchboard and uh, lets us know that you have something to say. Well, today I wanted to have this discussion because we've been talking a bit, uh, quite a bit over the last couple of days about our children and what it takes to bring them back into alignment with appropriate behavior that is helpful and productive and uh, orderly in our society. And one of the issues that keeps coming up, people talk about, well, we need to bring back uh, corporal punishment in schools and we need to have children uh, spanked by their parents and we need to uh, force more discipline. We're saying all these things out of our desperation, but really the main problem is that we have young people who don't have wisdom raising children, and this really is not the role of parents, but of grandparents, which is what we had in societies when we had extended families. And we want to talk about this because our belief that young people should be forming these nuclear families and raising children themselves is what has given rise to so many distortions in our culture, so many mistakes in parenting. And if you notice, grandparents, usually they're they're more... They're calmer, they're uh, more patient, they're less quick to punish and more apt to listen because they've gained the wisdom of time, whereas young parents in their 20s and even 30s don't have the wisdom. So in, in listening to one of the recordings, uh, by Neil Donald Walsh entitled Conversations with God. There, the, the concept was introduced, the idea that we have really distorted what our lives are supposed to be about. And the fact that we are telling young people they should not engage in sexual intimacy until they are financially secure and have property and own homes and have stable jobs and all of these things, and they should not be engaging in intimacy until they've achieved all these things in life because then they'll be able to raise children Well, that's created a lot of distortions in our behavior and our belief systems, and it doesn't work. And, of course, what ends up happening in us putting these conditions on what is a natural evolution of our desires for 
intimacy and relationships is that we still have not been able to form healthy families because we haven't figured out that rather than having young people try to be all these things before they become the adults that their bodies and, and emotions are saying they are, we should have had extended families with elders and support systems raising children because that is the natural role of the elders. Now, because our society is so based on economics and this industrialization, our thinking about adulthood is so distorted and money-based instead of community-based. Children should be raised in communities, not by a couple struggling alone with limited resources and limited wisdom, because look at all the mistakes that are made. You don't have wisdom in your 20s. You don't have wisdom in your teens. But you do have a desire to procreate, and that's when procreation should happen. So we want to talk about that, and after the break we're going to play an, an excerpt from a few minutes of Neil Donald Walsh's uh, book three, Conversations with God, and introducing the idea of removing the attitudes we have about youthful sexuality and instead creating a structure where young people may get together when they're young, as we used to do in the past. You know, people remember grandparents, who got married at, at 16 and 17 and started families, but they also had elders to help raise the children. We look at it as a failure when, in fact, that's the healthiest society that you can have to let you express love when it's time instead of making you meet all these financial requirements that are artificial signs of adulthood. So we want to talk about that and then look at what would our culture look like if we changed that perspective and if we changed our attitude toward young people who are desiring to have intimate relationships, desiring to get married early. Yes, they're still immature, but most relationships break apart because of financial difficulties. And you usually have financial difficulties when you're young because you haven't grown in your career. So what if instead of us putting all the burden on young couples who don't have the wisdom, maturity, or means to wait until they have all these things before they can have children, which obviously isn't working, why don't we simply bring back the elders into our homes and our communities and communally raise the children. So that's our our topic today. Should elders be responsible for all child rearing? So uh, before we take a break and listen to this excerpt, I want to certainly give our listeners and viewers a chance to weigh in on this thought. 515-605-9325 and 515-605-9891. Press 1. 
Let us know you have a thought you'd like to share, and let's talk about it. So, Brother Kareem, what are your what are your thoughts on that, and what are your memories of even our parents and grandparents and great grandparents, and when they actually started families, and what kind of support system they actually had, and how they made it work? Yes, uh, uh, we are are uh, are burdened with another social dynamic that uh, not only is eliminating our children, but uh, we have grandparents now that are you know forty, thirty, or whatever, and many of the lives of the grandparents is the surplus of what transpired in this country. Um, We shouldn't ignore the fact that the intelligence department, the CIA, they facilitated the importation of crack cocaine into this country, into our community. And... um, uh, even grandparents were victims of that cocaine epidemic. And parents, um, so the value system ha- uh, has been broken among those that we refer to as grandparents and seniors. Uh, many of them need proper education themselves. Uh, You can't get what's not there. The dropping of of standards that uh, we were raised with, you know, those standards uh, have been ignored when uh, the children, no, the grandchildren, the parents, and the what we call grandparents have missed the mark. Have missed the mark. Uh, we have grandparents now that are they have uh, they have taken on the lifestyle of uh, of what has been presented to us—a carefree, uh, no standards, no borders. Do whatever you feel. Do whatever you you want. It is your life. Don't let no one tell you how to live your your life. Well, we have grandparents that have been affected by that, and are, and and they are living that type of lifestyle. Uh, so uh, uh, there has to be reintroduced into the society some standards that we all agree to live by. Uh, we see grandmothers now; they you, you know not. Are knocking anyone, but they are grandmothers that have tat- tattoos all over their body that uh, are yeah that are truly challenging young women uh, in the competition of of uh, of, of getting a a, 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 a man. A, a, a single man or a husband, they're uh, not displaying uh, a sense of sensibility. I, 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 we, I, I caution us, turn our children over 
to grandparents that are, are still living like they're 16, 17, 18. We have that. We have that. That floor, that floor was snatched out from under us. Let us re- remember how our communities looked prior to the crack cocaine. And I, I know, yes, we had problems. Yes, we did. But that was like dropping a nuclear bomb. That was like dropping a nuclear bomb, bomb on a, a, a country or a certain area. You know, there there is the military has a nuclear bomb that destroys human beings but leave the structures standing. Suck all the oxygen from out of an area. The dwellings remain, but the human beings are eliminated. Well, what we are seeing now is we see human bodies, human bodies functioning, walking around, talking and everything. But the, but the moral content the moral content, a sense of standards, a sense of right and wrong, has been sucked from other human beings. You, you know, they made those zombie uh, the movies for uh, for a purpose that you will see people that look human, but the human content has been extracted from them. So our children, uh, they are the product of that. You know, they are the product of that. Uh, so we we must restore our humanity, our, the human content that makes us human, that makes us human, and stop following the, uh, the errant signal and messages that are, are uh, a broadcast and being into this country. It's not just us. Caucasians, they catch in hell too, trying to hold on to their children. Oh, yeah. This fentanyl. Yeah, yeah. Fentanyl epidemic, the opiate epidemic. And they have introduced another uh, substance to, to, to stretch the deadly fentanyl drug that's plaguing this country. I believe this is by design. You, you know, this country had a a, uh, a, a a call to the rest of the world, send us your poor. Mm. Send us your huddled mass. They, they needed labor at that time. <laughs> yeah. They needed cheap labor. Yeah. And, uh, that has ran its course. Now, what do you do with this huge surplus of of labor that you don't need? What do you do? You eliminate them. I don't mean physically kill them. You extract from out of them. They are no longer in the running. Their humanity has been been sucked from out of them. Right through L.A. and other of cities and see the proliferation of homelessness and drug abuse and poverty 
just a forgotten part of society. We can't in cardboard shacks in major cities in this country. So what do we do with this surplus? We eliminate Are you there? I think we had a, a interruption in uh, our transmission here, but uh, definitely what our co-host Kareem Hamid is saying rings, rings true because we have a generation of elders. <laughs> that have been um, basically arrested in their development at a very young age because of drug involvement. And they say that when when you've gone through some type of emotional trauma and you turn to any kind of substance such as drugs or alcohol, you stay at that emotional age until you deal with the trauma and overcome it, which many of our now elders never did. So many of them, as he described, they're stuck at age 17, 18, 19, 20, even though they're in their 60s and 70s. So this is real. And that condition That, of course, was an economic plan by those who chose to use the infusion of drugs to affect communities and thereby control them. It made an impact on our culture and created a generation of young people that did not have the cushion and the guidance of wisdom from grandparents because too many of their grandparents were crackheads or potheads or heroin addicts. And many of them ended up incarcerated. So without the foundation, you have a lot of families that fell apart and, as Brother Kareem talked about, a lot of homelessness. So we're going to take a quick break and come back and listen to an excerpt that gives us insight about why our culture needs to be transformed and can be transformed so that we can once again rebuild strong, healthy, stable families and communities. We have the power to do it. But we have to see things differently. And we have to take back our power and control to define who we are, why we're here, and where we're going, and what a healthy community looks like. And how do we bring back the inner peace to our children as we race into adulthood? We'll talk about that. 
When we come back, and if you're listening online, we want you to join this conversation. Give us a call, 515-605-9325 or 515-605-9891. And press 1 when you're ready to speak, and we'll gladly come to you and get your thoughts. You're listening to and watching the Female Solution Global Radio TV Show. I'm Naima Latif, along with our co-host, Kareem Hamid, and we'll be right back after this
get our audio connection uh, with our station. Uh, I'm not. Okay. Are you able to hear me now? I hear you. Okay, yes. We had some audio interference a little earlier. (laughs) So, yes. Well, one of the things that we uh, often have difficulties understanding is that our children come through us but they are to be guided by us, and we can only give guidance when we have wisdom. And we don't attain wisdom until we reach a certain age. And then, of course, we can share the wisdom of our experience. And this is why the the nuclear system, the nuclear family doesn't work because you don't have wisdom at a young age. But you pointed out something very crucial, and that is we have three generations, really, of destruction of families from the drug trafficking. So whereas we would have had wise grandparents and great-grandparents and even great-great-grandparents that was the that was the drug uh, era. We have a caller on uh, a switchboard. I'm going to give them an opportunity to speak before I play this audio. Uh, area code 872-901. Uh, you had your hand up. Did you have a comment? Well, I was just trying to get in during the uh, time to find out uh, what um, our co-host was talking about. I thought he was going to try to come back in. I guess we never could hear the rest of it, huh? Yeah, yeah, we, he, yeah, he was able to come back in. He was basically um, expounding on the fact that the drug era destroyed generations, and it was a very calculated decision to infect drugs on communities for economic gain as well as to maintain control over the people. And he was pointing out how after the era of inviting immigrants to come to the country, now, because so much of the corporate interest and and manufacturing and so forth has gone abroad where labor is cheaper, it seems to be a concerted effort to just get rid of people. So we have to be smarter than those who see the world as a chessboard where they can just move pieces around. We have to be smarter than that. We have to be proactive in planning what our future is going to look like, regardless of what their plan is, because they don't have any more power than we have. And so we have to make some cultural adjustments and and one of the things that he pointed out was the fact that the elders that we would have relied on, many of them never really emotionally grew up themselves. So that's that's the first thing we want to talk about before I, I uh, introduce this audio 
So, Kareem, you you were making a point. We we missed the last. Uh, yes. We well, missed I, the I last. I just wanted to say that my elder uh, taught me at the age of, uh, well, 16, going on 17 when I got married. Had it not been for the elders who were uneducated, I wouldn't have known, you know, how you have to hold the baby in the pan and wash the baby and every day this has to be done. If the elders hadn't taken the time to show me, you know, but they were so smart back then. But uh, let's go on and continue. I, yes, the elders are the ones who, who I believe brought me to where I am today and helped me to instill that training in my children, and, and hopefully it will continue on from the elders. Okay, thank you. This is Lois in Chicago. Well, thank you, Lois. We appreciate your comment. And, and she makes a great, great point because they're – are so many mothering techniques that young women do not know. And if you don't have a mother who's around to tell you, then you you will make a lot of mistakes. And we've had a lot of women in their ignorance and, and not knowing when their teenage daughters get pregnant and are un capable, incapable of taking care of themselves, they want to get angry and throw them out of the house. So then what happens to a young woman who doesn't have a mother to show her some basic things, like, you know, how to feed a child properly, how to properly make sure they're they're kept clean after they've used a diaper, how to uh, just basically keep a baby calm and comfortable, you have this stressed young woman who doesn't know what to do and whose family has disowned her because they feel like she brought shame to the family because she got pregnant out of wedlock. How many of these children grew up to be misshapen adults who didn't get the proper nurturing because their mothers did not get the proper support? So we have that happening, and we'll talk about that as we listen to this audio also. Yes. Right, it's not, this is not uh, singling out females. Uh, the a male also is a victim of social engineering. Absolutely. You know, this idea, yes, uh, uh, this idea of, uh, of, uh, of not accepting responsibility, for our behavior, not not accepting the responsibility of of children that come from our loins, you know. Uh, we have been introduced to a way of life that is very destructive. Absolutely. Uh, uh, this country, Pope John Paul the II, speaking of the United States, he described it as a culture of death. Mm. A culture of death. And I bear witness, you know. Look at, I mean, this is what has been fostered upon us. No child say, well, when I grow up, I want to be a gang member. I want to be a thief. I want to be a drug dealer. I want to be a, a hit man. I, I, no, this is... What kind of insanity is that? Yeah, 
this has been subtly introduced. And it's, and then I say once more, it's not just the African-American community. They always put our face up front. No, this is happening, period, to citizens in this country. This, uh, this opioid epidemic, fentanyl, uh, fentanyl uh, is a legal drug. Where are, who's producing fentanyl? I mean, uh, uh, this is that they call the great elimination. The great elimination. They no longer need the surplus excess labor. Matter of fact, if they, they have come up with what's called artificial intelligence mm-hmm. to replace the human being. What they have developed have the a power to think, to solve problems, complex problems, to think. But there's one thing missing. It can't feel. It cannot feel. That is what makes us human. We are able to feel. We are emotional creatures. We have sympathy and all of those emotions that keep us human. But they are, they, they have plans of eliminating us with technology. This isn't a pipe dream. This is what is happening right now. Right now. The great elimination. But there is on the other side, we're in that period called the great standing. The great standing. Those that will stand on standards, regardless of the criticism of criticizers. They maintain those standards that have supported the human being for hundreds of thousands of years. This is that day. And we have to stand on those principles. I don't care. They have what's called a cancel culture now. If you stand up for for known standards, they're subject to cancel you out. Silence your voice. But but we are grateful for programming like this, whereby the voice of those that are are in the great standing, their voices are being heard. So the elimination of productive human beings. If you're not producing, you're seen as surplus. You're seen as just just awful, just crap. What do we do with all of these people? Well, we will employ them. How? Employ them in drug use. Take them out of uh, out of uh, the human race, and that is that is what is taking place now. What is the answer? Each one teach one. Each one teach one. We may not can reach everybody. But if you know someone that's still woke, and I, I use that term uh, wisely, that, that means those that are still conscious, that are still conscious, each one teach one. 
we have to return back to some standards. So that, that's my uh, my solution is that we have to be heard, we have to to be heard. Uh, 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 maybe you can't get to everyone, but if you can just save one person, if you can save one person, that's as if you saved the whole of humanity. So we're all one soul. We're all one soul. So these things have been socially engineered. People plan into the future. They have planned for 150 years from now. Grief. They have tried for, for how society will be structured. They do. Uh, we think that, oh, well, this is my own personal unique idea. No, it's not. No, it's not. You was given that. I can speak my own mind. Who gave you that mind? Who taught you to think like that? Mm. See, so so we have to, as you said, we have to be wise. We have to be wise and look beyond just our present situation, our present circumstance, my individual circumstance. Someone is planning our lives for us. It's no, it's no, no happenstance that fentanyl now is eliminating heroin, black tar heroin, eliminating human So we need more rehab centers, and we need more conscious people to occupy and run those rehab centers. To connect, and when I say rehab, I mean connected back to our humanity. It's one thing to put a drug down. Now you have to be taught how to live a sober life. And that, that incorporates standards. I applaud the 12-step program. For in that program, what is most essential is that you must do service work. You must volunteer and help another person, another uh, uh, organization, whatever. You must do service work. When you when you give, when you when you give, then that clears up an area to be given. You can receive. So we need conscious people in this fight. Each one teach one. We can't save everyone, but if we can just save one, you know, it is your children that carries your values forward. It is our children that carry our values forward and their children and their children. You have a way of life that you treasure then with a full court press try to teach your children those standards and, and and God willing they will pass those standards on to their children we get a reward when we do good and that good it, it 
It reaches beyond even our life. Our life. It's called Sadaka Jaria. A charity. A good deed that lives beyond you. Our children live beyond us. We will be, we will get married in the hereafter for having faith and good deeds. But also, in Islam, we get rewards in the hereafter for having raised honorable children. Honorable children. Although you are no longer present, your true self is moving forward. Your true self is moving forward. For you have reproduced those standards in your children. It's a big fight. But we can't give up. Roll up our, our sleeves. I don't care if it's some of the, If you see promise in a young person, don't waste your time now on those that you don't see promise in. But if you see promise in a young person, sit and talk with them. Get to know them. Pass on your good life to them. For we are being eliminated. The poor is being eliminated. I'm just saying. They are acting out what they saw, what they saw, Grandmama do. Grandmama now is competing in the club. They call them cougars now. Ha, <laughs> cougar. <laughs> There's nothing funny about that. Grandmama competing with daughter for some empty-headed young man. They, even, they have titled that cougars. This is real, people. I'll stop right there. Well, that is we well have said. We have on the line here. Yes. Well, we're going to, uh, well, let's take a call before we take a break, and then we'll come back. Uh, go right ahead. Open the mic for one of your okay. callers. Okay. Okay. Air code 706-627. Uh, and who are we speaking to? Assalamu alaikum. You're talking to Brother Muhammad. By the Umar Papa, I'm from Columbus, Georgia. Hamdi uh, Bilal for the, the, the great, great uh, broadness that you're talking about. But we have to go back. That answer is always there. It's Ikra. Our life of the human creation got renewed and balanced when the angel Jibril told Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Islam, Ikra. It's words that big drugs. It's a combination of words from the whispers of the Shaitan that makes man endeavor in his physical reality. And he come up with combinations that will make the physical creation addicting. Or attached to it to where it cannot go high in its intellect as it wants to go. It can be misdirected. It can be deviated, etc. by its income. But in the, in, in, the, in the language of Ikra, we learn of Allah. We uh, learn of Muhammad, would you, would, would you translate that Quranic term, we have we have non-Muslims here too. Translate it, 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 
Ikra, if you would, please. Yes, sir. Ikra means read. And we know that our leadership, Imam Muhammad, carried it even farther by saying, words make people. Your enemy is the words that come into your being by a law submission to test your loyalty to your creator. And your open enemy is Shaitan who will whisper words into the minds and hearts of men and women to make them deviate and be more loyal to what is down in their creation instead of up, up, up in their creation. So we have to remember the whole solution is going to always be the Quran, the words in the Quran, the words that we live in the Quran, is it's going to free our children from drugs, free us from drugs. So we know that the mind involved is not from any kind of chemical, physical drug. It just could be just words. A lot that do not come to Salat, don't come to prayer, but a befogged mind. So it's these words we got to get back to. We got to quit talking so vague and talk straight and clear so that our children will have no doubt that there is a creator of all the words that the human being will ever have to digest. And then how is that he did allow you uh, with his mercy told us that the words are in your heart. They're in your physical creation. But your physical creation is to make sure that the words that come out of your intellect will let you grow as, as, as high or as far as the law is intended with the Quran in your heart. So our children have to get back to the Quran. We're not going to ever get away from the truth. And the truth is that this is the final revelation. It has to be understood and talk to each other and share with each other on a constant basis, but it got to be done clear. And explain all the nature, everything in nature, Allah said, is, is already knows you, the human being. But you got to know it and keep it silent so you will not, you, it will not harm this test that you're going through. We can't forget about this test we're going through. We already want to go back to where we came from. A word that says paradise. Yes, sir. You know, just, I mean, so uh, uh, we want to, why we explore questions in our minds, remember that Allah says the victory is already yours. The answer is already there in this Quran. Yeah, all you got to do is read. All you got to do is read these words of the Quran, read these words of the life of Prophet read the history of the people before and etc. And then out of these words, you take and establish what I have prepared for you is the faith. That's allowed. Total submission to do only what we have I have told you to do Ma in Muhammad. Yes, sir. Muhammad, we have another caller on like the line. If you can complete your thought, then uh, okay. we will open up the, uh, the line. Go, go ahead, Muhammad. Yes, sir. Uh, yeah, but just we just want to make sure that we don't get too far away from the words of the Quran. Because words make people, words make drugs, words make car accidents, drugs, words make wine. So our, our solve is to not talk so vague. We have to talk clear and straight so we cannot false words or derogatory words or cloudy words or befall words out of the minds of our children. So they, you know, they can see the world like we're here. You know. Uh, thank you, thank you, Mr. 
Right. You have said something that's, that, that I have been advocating for quite a good while now. You know, we, by, by way of religious language, we lecture our children. We give them sermons, khutbahs, uh, as they are called in Islamic terminology. Uh, but that being able to talk flat foot, plain, that flat foot language to us, to, uh, to, to, first to each other, and then our children. Sometimes we use uh, religious terminology, and they hear you, but they get tired of hearing that. That, uh, uh, that there's a way to express what is right, just plain talk, plain behavior and talk. The youngsters are saying, we don't want no, I don't want to hear that religion. I, I, I've been hearing that, I don't want, what has it to produce for you? That's what they ask. What has it produced for you? So, let's bring our language, you know, how can I put it, in plain talk, in just plain talk, human being talk. Christians will be in the, in the a paradise like us. Uh, Jews will be in the paradise like us. There are plain, blatant, solid principles attached to all three faiths. But our presentation needs to be updated. Our presentation needs to change. We, they, they hear what you say. But are you using the language that shows you care, that reach, that, that reach their heart and their mind? Sometimes we speak to them and they don't, you, you know, they they just not connected with you. But we have to develop how to talk to each other. Like we used to hold conversations across the backyard fence about what's happening in the neighborhood. That's what I believe is I'm able to connect with young people because I keep up with their language. They, they, they listen to me because they see that they can recognize that I'm not coming from some erudite, high-producing position. No, I'm you. I'm you. Let me share my story with with you. You haven't done no more than our generation did, but let me tell you the difference. Talk flat foot to them. God has given them an intellect. They, they understand that when I say flat, I mean plain language. Moses means nothing to them. Moses means nothing to them. 
But Moses, he is actually a principle. Not just flesh and blood. He represents a principle that establishes governmental life. That establishes government. Productive life. So you can use his name, but that don't mean nothing to them. Speak to them about the principle that he, he represented. He was from an oppressed people that was burdened mentally. That was burdened mentally with the psychology of Egypt. And Moses, Moses spoke plainly to them. Plain talk. That's all I'm saying. I think that's where we got them to, to disconnect that. That we we not talking plainly to one another, not using fifty million uh, 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 using great big old erudite words and stuff, trying to impress them. No, they they're impressed about how much do you care. That's what I'm. That's what I'm seeing. But each one teach one. That's all. Pass on what you know to another person. This battle goes on. It's never ending. We have another person on the line. I, I want to open up their mic. Well, we need to take a. Um, well, before we, we take that call, we need to take a break, uh, and then we'll be right back. Okay. Uh, and okay. you're listening to the Female Solution Global Radio TV Show. I'm Naima Latif, along with our co-host Kareem Hamid and our American Muslim 360 family. We're going to come back, take a call, and then we're going to share with you an audio and get your thoughts. And we'll be right back after this quick break, so we invite you to stick and stay. Don't stray away. We'll be back in just a moment, so stay with us. people who choose to make a positive difference in the world. Our job is to bring you their stories to motivate you to do the same. Join us each week, host John Alexander and Naima Latif, as we bring you the educators, entertainers, elected officials, religious leaders, and community activists whose works are transforming this world. Find out how you can make a difference, too. Be inspired. Watch the media connection. And I'm Naim Latif. Meet people like you who are making a positive difference in the world. Watch us every day on the Media Connection at www.youtube.com slash the Media Connection TV. YouTube it. We'll see you soon.
religion, economics, culture, and we'll take a look at everything from whether or not to use corporal punishment to how do you teach your children about sex. Look for our upcoming book, Growing Up Charles. It's a personal story about our lives growing up in Maple Park on Chicago's South Side. I'm Barbara. I'm Cheryl. And I'm Naima. We're Three Black Moms. Follow us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Three Black Moms.
are back. You're listening to and watching the Female Solution Global Radio TV show. I'm Naima Latif, along with our co-host Kareem Hamid and our American Muslim 360 family. And we want to hear from you. Give us a call, 515-605-9325 or 515-605-9891. And press 1 when you're ready to speak, and we will open your mic and get your thoughts. And uh, we've got a caller on uh, the line. We want to take that call before we share with you this audio from yes. Conversations with God, and uh, grand rising to our Tuesday host, Jody Susan Calhoun, who's joining us on Facebook. We thank you so much. And uh, go right ahead, open that mic. Okay. Erica 724866, welcome to the female solution. Assalamu alaikum. Uh, this is Sister Gail Mohammed from Pennsylvania. Um, some of the things that I was thinking about saying, uh, Brother Kareem, you have already said, but I think it's important. We are the people that have that survived the worst slavery human history has known. So surely we could survive what uh, we're currently, the crises that our communities and families are facing now. But we have to look at the positive side of all the things that our young people are doing. They're not all on drugs. Just like those of us that have come through the 60s, 70s, and survived. So we have to continue to have hope and put hope in them. Uh, I'll share some of my personal experience with uh, my family. My daughter got pregnant in her junior year, the end of the junior year of high school. She graduated high school. She graduated college. She was a... uh, number one girls basketball player while raising her son. I got both of them together. They didn't get married, but I talked to them, and I told them this is a lifetime commitment. They both wanted I'm sorry, we... Uh Got disconnected. Let's see if we can read it. outside of the plan. And we'll incur a one cent per minute charge if you can. You can hang up now to avoid the charge. And uh, we're going to reconnect that call so we can make sure we get all of our sister's comments here. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio. Please hold and you will be able to listen to the show. You are now in the of his own, and a lot of times some of the, the things, but their, the commitment is there. The intelligence is there. And like he says, we have many conversations. We have to listen to them, too, because we don't, they, they're experiencing stuff and, and um, circumstances, and they're trying to work their way through, through just like we did. And they're not going to, because my grandfather said, Nana, we're not perfect. I said, yeah, that's true, because I wasn't perfect either. And, um, but they're working it through. She has another son. He's a, a freshman in, in college right now. And she has a gap. She's engaged uh, now to be married. She has uh, a son, I mean, a daughter that's in pre-K, five years old, and uh 
another uh, grandson who I do uh, take care of my grandson and my great-grandson. I mean, my great-granddaughter. But it, it isn't the perfect life, but there's, uh, how can I say it? There's hope. I ha- you have to have hope. And if God survived, help me to survive. My mom didn't drink, my dad drank, my mom didn't drink. And my dad always told us, try to be like your mom. But when I look back now as a 70-year-old person, my dad was taken away from us at a very early age, 49 years old. Mm. And uh, it wasn't drugs and alcohol, you know, that was health reasons that uh, he was taken away from us. But my mom raised 10 of us. And... uh we just have to keep it going. Keep, we have to keep hope and things alive and be there to listen sometimes, not always to preach to our our um, our children because they, like I said, they're experiencing things and they're working things out. And um, if we, we keep conversational open, then uh, they, they, they'll benefit even though they might not think they're benefiting, they are, because you can see it in their actions. And I just, that's what I just want to say. And then uh, uh, as a uh, retired educator myself, even my the students, you know, that I uh, had the privilege of uh, educating, I had to listen to them, too, because they would say, you, you, you know, the pro- little problems that the children face sometimes, it, it seems big when you're dealing with it, but there are problems that maybe all children are going through. And you just have to, we have to just continue to give them the guidance and, what, and wisdom that we have. And, you know, now when I run into some of those same students in the community, they thank you for listening. They, they're they're uh, respectful. We joke about you know, the trials that they have not listening, in, you know, in in school. And all, all of them did make it. Some of them I see now they're coming out of prison. But they don't forget the people that tried to give them uh, the good guidance, even though they may not have followed it. Because many of us didn't follow the guidance that our parents gave us, too. But we have to continue to give them hope and help them see and, and, and uh, encourage them when they're trying to do good. I agree. So that's, Absolutely. Uh, I, I definitely agree. I agree. Well, you know, I, I think that those of us who did have some type of wisdom growing up, we, sh- we should be grateful and we should pass it on, and we should be supportive yeah. to the, the young people uh, that are having children now and not shun them, but give them hope, give them encouragement, give them support, give them guidance. Because at some point yeah. we're going to be the seniors that we're looking for them to be able to then support us in our senior years. So thank you so much, Sister Gail, for your insight. Uh, I'd like to now share an audio with you, and I want to just briefly, we talked about it a little bit in previous shows. And we're all we're all having conversations with God. That's what prayer is. Uh, this one particular author Muted. just happened to write down his uh, unmuted. This one uh, particular author just happened to write down his 
um, his answers that he got as he called out to God and said, well, help me, my life is a mess, you know, tell me, what are the rules, how do I... How do I get through this situation? Why am I suffering so badly? So he wrote down the answers he, that he got, and it became a whole book series. And uh, so we're sharing a little bit of the audio book. And in this, in this conversation with God by Neil Donald Walsh, we're uh, basically talking about the, our whole cultural concept of our children, how we raise our children, how we set standards, and even – some of the distortions that we have infused into our religions because of our misunderstanding. And as a result, we make mistakes. So we're going to share this part as they had this dialogue. And what, what Neil Donald Walsh has done is give both a female and a male voice to the voice of the divine so that we understand it's not a, a, the creator's not a gender of either one. And also understanding that uh, all of us are having conversations with God. We just have to listen. So this, of course, this audio presentation uh, by a male and a female and the dialogue and questions and answers to his questions give us some insight on how we may choose to reflect on some of our behavior that created our conditions. So uh, let's share a bit of it, just a few minutes uh, before the break, and then we'll come back and get your comments on this conversation with God. What are the implications? If all you desired is what your soul desired, everything would be very simple. If you listen to the part of you which is pure spirit, all of your decisions would be easy and all the outcomes joyous. That is because the choices of spirit are always the highest choices. They don't need to be second-guessed. They don't need to be analyzed or evaluated. They simply need to be followed, acted on. Yet you are not only a spirit. You are a triune being made up of body, mind, and spirit. That is both the glory and the wonder of you. For you often make decisions and choices at all three levels simultaneously, and they by no means always coincide. It is not uncommon for your body to want one thing while your mind seeks another and your spirit desires yet a third. This can be especially true of children who are often not yet mature enough to make distinctions between what sounds like fun to the body and what makes sense to the mind, much less what resonates with the soul. So the child waddles into the street. Now, as God, I am aware of all your choices, even those you make subconsciously. I will never interfere with them, but rather just the opposite. It is my job to ensure that your choices are granted. In truth, you grant them to yourself. What I have done is put a system into place that allows you to do that. This system is called the process of creation and is explained in detail in book one. When your choices conflict, when body, mind, and spirit are not acting as one, the process of creation works at all levels, producing mixed results. If, on the other hand, your being is in harmony and your choices are unified, astonishing things can occur. Your young people have a phrase, having it all together, which could be used to describe this unified state of being. There are also levels within levels in your decision-making. This is particularly true at the level of the mind. 
Your mind can and does make decisions and choices from one of at least three interior levels, logic, intuition, emotion, and sometimes from all three, producing the potential for even more inner conflict. And within one of those levels, emotion, there are five more levels. These are the five natural emotions, grief, anger, envy, fear, and love. And within these also, there are two final levels, love and fear. The five natural emotions include love and fear, yet love and fear are the basis of all emotions. The other three of the five natural emotions are outgrowths of these two. Ultimately, all thoughts are sponsored by love or fear. This is the great polarity. This is the primal duality. Everything ultimately breaks down to one of these. All thoughts, ideas, concepts, understandings, decisions, choices, and actions are based in one of these. And in the end, there is really only one. Love. In truth, love is all there is. Even fear is an outgrowth of love. And when used effectively, expresses love. Fear expresses love? In its highest form, yes. Everything expresses love. When the expression is in its highest form. Does the parent who saves the child from being killed in traffic express fear or love? Well, both, I suppose. Fear for the child's life and love. Enough to risk one's own life to save the child. Precisely. And so here we see that fear in its highest form becomes love, is love, expressed as fear. Similarly, moving up the scale of natural emotions, grief, anger, and envy are all some form of fear, which in turn is some form of love. One thing leads to another. Do you see? The problem comes in... When any of the five natural emotions become distorted, then they become grotesque and not recognizable at all as outgrowths of love, much less as God, which is what absolute love is. I've heard of the five natural emotions before, you know, from my wonderful association with Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. She taught me about them. Indeed. It was I who inspired her to teach about this. <laughs> so I see that when I make choices, much depends on where I'm coming from. That where I'm coming from could be several layers deep. Yes, that is what is so. Please tell me. I'd like to hear about it again because I've forgotten so much of what Elizabeth taught me. Tell me all about the five natural emotions. Grief is a natural emotion. It's that part of you which allows you to say goodbye when you don't want to say goodbye. To express, push out, propel the sadness within you at the experience of any kind of loss. It could be the loss of a loved one and the loss of a contact lens. When you are allowed to express your grief, you get rid of it. Children who are allowed to be sad when they are sad feel very healthy about sadness when they are adults. And therefore, usually move through their sadness very quickly. Children who are told, there, there, don't cry. Have a hard time crying as adults. After all, they've been told all their life not to do that. So they repress their grief. Grief that is continually repressed becomes chronic depression. A very unnatural emotion. People have killed because of chronic depression. Wars have started. Nations have fallen. Anger is a natural emotion. It is the tool you have which allows you to say... Oh, thank you. I did not have to be abusive, and it never has to be damaging to another. When children are allowed to express their anger, they bring a very healthy attitude about it to their adult years, and therefore usually move through their anger very quickly. Children who are made to feel 
fact that they shouldn't even experience it. We'll have a difficult time appropriately dealing with their anger as adults. Anger that is continually repressed becomes rage, a very unnatural emotion. People have killed because of rage. Wars have started. Nations have fallen. Envy is a natural emotion. It is the emotion that makes a five-year-old wish he could reach the door down the way his sister can. <laughs> or ride that bike. Envy is the natural emotion that makes you want to do it again. To try harder. To continue striving until you succeed. It is very healthy to be envious. Very natural. When children are allowed to express their envy, they bring a very healthy attitude about it to their adult years. And therefore usually move through their envy very quickly. Children who are made to feel that envy is not okay, that it is wrong to express it, and in fact, that they shouldn't even experience it, will have a difficult time appropriately dealing with their envy as adults. Envy that is continually repressed becomes jealousy, a very unnatural emotion. People have killed because of jealousy. Wars have started. Nations have fallen. Fear is a natural emotion. All babies are born with only two fears. The fear of falling and the fear of loud noises. All other fears are learned responses brought to the child by its environment, taught to the child by its parents. The purpose of natural fear is to build in a bit of caution. Caution is a tool that helps keep the body alive. It is an outgrowth of love. Love of self. Children who are made to feel that fear is not okay, that it is wrong to express it, and in fact that they shouldn't even experience it, will have a difficult time appropriately dealing with their fear as adults. Fear that is continually repressed becomes panic. A very unnatural emotion. People have killed because of panic. Wars have started. Nations have fallen. Love is a natural emotion. When it is allowed to be expressed and received by a child normally and naturally, without limitation or condition, inhibition or embarrassment, it does not require anything more. The joy of love expressed and received in this way is sufficient unto itself. Yet love which has been conditioned, limited, warped by rules and regulations, rituals and restrictions, controlled, manipulated and withheld, becomes unnatural. Children who are made to feel that their natural love is not okay, that it is wrong to express it, and in fact, that they shouldn't even experience it, will have a difficult time appropriately dealing with love as adults. Love that is continually repressed becomes possessiveness, a very unnatural emotion. People have killed because of possessiveness. Wars have started. Nations have fallen. And so it is that the natural emotions, when repressed, produce unnatural reactions and responses. And most natural emotions are repressed in most people. Yet these are your friends. 
repressed in most people. They've been taught to repress them. They've been told by whom? Their parents, those who've raised them. Why? Why would they do that? Because they were taught by their parents, and their parents were told by theirs. Yes, yes, but why? What is going on? What is going on is that you have the wrong people doing the parenting. What do you mean? Who are the wrong people? The mother and the father. The mother and the father are the wrong people to raise the children? When the parents are young, yes. In most cases, yes. In fact, it's a miracle that so many of them do as good a job as they do. No one is more ill-equipped to raise children than young parents. And no one knows this, by the way, better than young parents. Most parents come to the job of parenting with very little life experience. They're hardly finished being parented themselves. They're still looking for answers, still searching for clues. They haven't even discovered themselves yet, and they're trying to guide and nurture discovery in others even more vulnerable than they. They haven't even defined themselves, and they're thrust into the act of defining others. They are still trying to get over how badly they have been misdefined by their parents. They haven't even discovered yet who they are, and they're trying to tell you who you are. And the pressure is so great for them to get it right, yet they can't even get their own lives right. So they get the whole thing wrong, their lives and the lives of their children. If they're lucky, the damage to their children won't be too great. The offspring will overcome it, but not, probably, before passing someone to their offspring. Most of you gain the wisdom, the patience, the understanding, and the love to be wonderful parents after your parenting years are over. Why? Why is this? I don't understand this. I see that your observation is in many cases correct, but why is this? Because young child makers were never intended to be child raisers. Your child-raising years should really begin when they are now over. But I'm still a little lost here. Human beings are biologically capable of creating children while they are children themselves, which, if you surprise most of you know, they are for 40 or 50 years. Where are children? Human beings are children themselves for 40 or 50 years? From a certain perspective, yes. I know this is difficult to hold as your truth look around you. Perhaps the behaviors of your race might help prove my point. The difficulty is that in your society, you are said to be all grown up and ready for the world at 21. Add to this the fact that many of you were raised by mothers and fathers who were not much older than 21 themselves when they began raising you. And you can begin to see the problem. If childbearers were meant to be child raisers, childbearing would not have been made possible until you were 50. Childbearing was meant to be an activity of the young, whose bodies are well-developed and strong. Child raising was meant to be an activity of the elders, whose minds are well-developed and strong. In your society, you have insisted on making childbearers responsible for child raising, with the result that you've made not only the process of parenting very difficult, but distorted many of the energies surrounding the sexual act as well. Uh, could you explain? Yes. Many humans have observed what I've observed here, namely that a good many humans, perhaps most, are not truly capable of raising children when they are capable of having them. However, having discovered this, humans have put in place exactly the wrong solution. 
Rather than allow younger humans to enjoy sex and if it produces children, have the elders raise them, you tell young humans not to engage in sex until they are ready to take on the responsibility of raising children. You have made it wrong for them to have sexual experiences before that time, and thus have created a taboo around what was intended to be one of life's most joyful celebrations. Of course, this is a taboo to which offspring will pay little attention, and for good reason. It is entirely unnatural to obey it. Human beings desire to couple and copulate as soon as they feel the inner signal which says they are ready. This is human nature. Yet their thought about their own nature will have more to do with what you as parents have told them than about what they are feeling inside. Your children look to you to tell them what life is all about. So when they have their first urges to peek at each other, to play innocently with each other, to explore each other's differences, they will look to you for signals about this. Is this part of their human nature good? Is it bad? Is it approved of? Is it to be stifled, held back, discouraged? It is observed that what many parents have told their offspring about this part of their human nature has had its origin in all manner of things. What they were told, what their religion says, what their society thinks, everything except the natural order of things. In the natural order of your species, sexuality is budding at anywhere from age 9 to age 14. From age 15 onward, it is very much present and expressing in most human beings. Thus begins a race against time, with children stampeding toward the fullest release of their own joyful sexual energy, and parents stampeding to stop them. Parents have needed all the assistance and all the alliances they could find in this struggle, since, as has been noted, they are asking their offspring to not do something that is every bit a part of their nature. So adults have invented all manner of familial, cultural, religious, social, and economic pressures, restrictions, and limitations to justify their unnatural demands of their offspring. Children have thus grown to accept that their own sexuality is unnatural. How can anything that is natural be so shamed, so always stopped, so controlled, held at bay, restrained, bridled, and denied? Well, I think you're exaggerating a bit here. Don't you think you're exaggerating? Really? What do you think is the impact on a four- or five-year-old child when parents won't even use the correct name for certain of their body parts? What are you telling the child about your level of comfort with that and what you think theirs should be? Uh... Yes, uh, indeed. Well, we just don't use those words, as my grandma used to say. It's just that wee-wee and your bottom sounds better. Only because you have so much negative baggage attached to the actual names of these body parts that you can barely use the words in ordinary conversation. At the youngest ages, of course, children don't know why parents feel this way, but merely are left with the impression, the often indelible impression, that certain body parts are not okay and that anything having to do with them is embarrassing, if not wrong. As children grow older and move into their teens, they may come to realize that this is not true, but then they are told in very clear terms about the connection between pregnancy and sexuality and about how they will have to raise the children they create. And so they now have another reason for feeling that sexual expression is wrong, and the circle is complete. What this has caused in your society is confusion and not a little havoc, which is always the result of fooling around with nature. You have created sexual embarrassment, repression, and shame 
which has led to sexual inhibition, dysfunction, and violence. You will, as a society, always be inhibited about that over which you are embarrassed. Always be dysfunctional with behaviors which have been repressed and always act out violently in protest of being made to feel shame about that over which you know in your heart you should never have felt shame at all. Ah, then Freud was onto something when he said that a huge amount of the anger in the human species might be sexually related. Deep-seated rage over having to repress basic and natural physical instincts, interests, and urges. More than one of your psychiatrists has ventured as much. The human being is angry because it knows it should feel no shame over something that feels so good. And yet it does feel shame and guilt. First, the human becomes angry with the self for feeling so good about something which is supposed to be so obviously bad. Then, when they finally realize they've been duped, that sexuality is supposed to be a wonderful, honorable, glorious part of the human experience, they become angry with others. Parents for repressing them. Religion for shaming them. Members of the opposite sex for daring them. The whole society for controlling them. Finally, they become angry with themselves for allowing all of this to inhibit them. Much of this repressed anger has been channeled into the construction of distorted and misguided moral values in the society in which you now live. A society which glorifies and honors with monuments, statues, and commemorative stamps, films, pictures, and TV programs, some of the world's ugliest acts of violence. But highs, or worse yet, cheapens some of the world's most beautiful acts of love. And all of this, all of this has emerged from a single thought, that those who bear children bear also the sole responsibility for raising them. But if the people who have children aren't responsible for raising them, who is? The whole community, with special emphasis on the elders. The elders? In most advanced races and societies, elders raise the offspring, nurture the offspring, train the offspring, and pass on to the offspring the wisdom teachings, and traditions of their kind. Later, when we talk about some of these advanced civilizations, I'll touch on this again. In any society where producing offspring at a young age is not considered wrong because the tribal elders raised them, and there is therefore no sense of overwhelming responsibility and burden, sexual repression is unheard of, and so is rape, deviance, and social sexual dysfunction. Are there such societies? How can a parent who pulls and that is from Conversations with God by Neil Donald Walsh, Book 3, uh, giving some very clear reasons why we should not have young people raising children because it's unnatural and we create unnaturalness in such a culture. So uh, we we played quite a few uh, commercials during the last few breaks, so we won't need to take another break. Uh, we're going to just continue on because we've got some callers on the line. But I definitely want to get your comments. We've got a, we've got a call on the line. We'll take it and let me know if we've got a, uh, any more hands up on your switchboard. But basically, you've heard and this. The uh, voice, so you have some callers there. No. Okay. No, not at this time. All I right. Anybody want to press one on the phone? All right. I'll unmute your mic. Yes, and and again, the the male and female voices you heard that was Neil Donald Walsh asking the questions, 
and the male and female voices you heard were the portrayals of the the voice of God, basically as He received uh, in his, in His dialogues, and so this was God's instructions, basically telling us that what we have created is out of order with nature, and that's why it's not working. So let me uh, go to our phone line, 773-436, and get your thoughts on should elders be responsible for all child-rearing, as we've just been told. Grand Rising, introduce yourself to our listening audience and give us your thoughts. Well, hallelujah, greetings, uh, global transformers, Wayo and Yah Shalom. Wayo is a word that means we are one. I created it. Um, this is Mama D from Chicago. From Chicago. Um, so, hallelujah, greetings, and grand rising. Um, you know, uh, Minister Robert Floyd Plump and I were ordained as ministers on the same day by Pastor... Mm. M. Earl Sarden, a crusader of justice who founded the the Crusader newspaper and worked very closely with Reverend Dr. Prophet King. I think what we are missing here is Adam and Eve, according to the way it's written in the Black History Bible book, whose hero is a woolly-haired man with bronze-colored feet to match his bronze-colored face, that Adam and Eve were created groaned, and that Eve uh, was, eyes were opened by uh, the most wisest, the most handsome, um, well, the most beautiful, is the way it's written, uh, original Prince Charming called Lucifer. So if we follow that thought, even clothes, they were naked and it was no problem. Until the, the the part that you hide is the part that they were dealing with. Now, I know we've heard she ate an apple, but her mouth was not covered with the fig leaves. She, uh, her eyes was not covered with the fig leaves, so it wasn't something that she saw. Her ears were not covered with the fig leaves, so it was not something that she heard. The X marks the spot that they were dealing with. And that is the, if you had a person and you cut them in three parts, the middle part of the so-called garden would be the genitalia area. No matter how tall you are, if you just cut yourself in three parts, that's what you find in the middle. And so I think that not telling the truth off the bat is the problem. Parents are the problem. Um, you know, that Black History Bible book says, train up a child in the way that they should go, and when they're young, they won't depart. It says, when I was a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, and when I became a adult, I gave up childhood words, uh, ways. It says, um, children would grow wickeder and wiser. And that is what we're dealing with today. Instead of giving them more spirituality, they are not given uh, anything but from parents uh, and grandparents and great-grandparents that could, because they have removed children's day. You still got a Mother's Day and a Father's Day, but they've removed children's day, and they have renamed children animal beasts. 
a goat. A goat of all animals is stiff-necked and rebellious. If it was a little lamb, when they had that lamb spirit in school, uh, they were saying, God is great, God is good, let us thank him for our food. But then they brought in the goat spirit, that stiff-necked and rebellious beast. So you don't rename our children kids uh, with four, an animal beast with four legs without any moral authority. But this is what adults have done. Adults have came up with bad means good and good means bad. They have confused the children. And so if the children are wickeder and wiser, then you have got to deal with uh, that other rod. There is the rod in your hand, but then there is the rod in your mouth. That rod of correction, that is what we need to deal with today. Well, Mama D, I certainly agree. Uh, correction is necessary, and loving correction is what wise elders do. And we thank you so much for being among the wise elders that keep reminding us that our children need to be loved into shape and not whipped into shape. Otherwise, they'll get bent out of shape. So we heard here that much of our shaming of our children and ourselves has produced the unnatural distortions in our behavior that we're seeing. And as Mama D pointed out, you know, the whole uh, Adam and Eve garden story uh, culminates in their feeling shame, which doesn't come from God because in the beginning there was no covering. There was no idea that there's something shameful about any body parts or a loving expression. So where did that thought get infused? And obviously it is not a thought rooted in the love of God but of confusion. So how do we undo that and how do we create a society that's allowing our young people to grow and develop natural emotions that are expressed in a wholesome manner and to express love in a wholesome manner without fear that they must be these wise, stable, financially secure elders before they can express love. That's part of the distortion of our culture because we have not formed communities with extended families to raise our children. So, Brother Kareem, what are your thoughts about what you heard? Well, uh, I'm appreciative from what I heard. The male voice mentioned that fear, fear and love are foundations. And we, we come here as small babies. We we encounter this material creation, and there's a, a fear. But the parents alleviate the fear. They protect the child from what they fear, and they give them understanding. They give them understanding, and out of that that application, that child begins to love those that protect them. From their their from their fears. Um, also, there and I have said this before that 
Almighty God has placed our placed a biological clock in us. Yes. A biological that, that clock hasn't changed. Now we are saying Yeah, we are saying you are wrong when you reach twenty one. Well, there's a lot of symbolism in that, but I won't go there. But uh Imam Wasidin Muhammad may Almighty God grant him the highest station in the paradise. He offered a solution. He said, look, when your daughter or your, or, 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 or your son, they have these desires. They, they, it's a normal, natural desire. We have a biological clock. And that the, let me say this, the Islamic terminology for a marriage is nikah. Mm-hmm. N-I-K-K-A, yeah. and at its root, what it is alluding to is intercourse, intercourse, that when you marry someone, then you can uh, righteously have sex with that person, not someone that you're not married to, that you're not married to. Uh, we are born with souls. We come here as a soul. But God says the soul has to be taught as to its right and its wrong. To its right and its wrong. We, uh, with what we call raising children is, providing food, clothing, shelter, school, and all of those things. But we are ignoring the soul the soul of that child. It has to be nurtured. It has to be taught as to its right and its wrong. It develops a conscience there, a conscience. And uh, uh, from that word, conscious, we see uh, uh, that there are consequences. A conscience leads you to consequences to consequence. What will happen if I do such and such a thing? The word consequence, if you look at it closely, it has con and sequence. A sequence is a developing movement from one stage right. to another. What, what, what is the cause and effect of it? Uh, Brother Kareem, we've got one more caller on the line. Uh, okay. Let's see if I can squeeze uh-huh. them in real quick and... Also, we've got a comment from Jody Susan on uh, our Facebook page. She says, oh, uh, uh, Joyce Segur, uh, uh, we got a comment from. Uh, Mama Joyce, she said, our second Saturday host, she says, Grand Rising to all, yes, we all have conversations with God, but understand how that is because we have not been taught correctly. And that is such a reality. All of us have the power to get our answers directly from the divine, but often our belief systems teach us differently. Seven seven three four five oh. You got about thirty seconds. Give us your thoughts, real quick. Grand rising, holiday, and good morning to all. You know, I just wanted to notate these couple of things. Number one, people tend to do all this stuff out of the, out of our sequence. 
it, it, society creates television and marketing and all that that tells you got to have a boyfriend, girlfriend, or somebody, or you ain't even alive, or you ain't got nothing on which is a bunch of crap. We put down here is preachers to help each other out, and society makes it a competition mode. Instead of us saying, let's get together and work it because two people are better than one, they create an environment where you're trying to outdo the next man, which goes against nature's rule of we, us, and our. So if we get a we, us, and our plan, then it also includes our children. Other problems, just a lot of times people talk about how children follow what their parents say, but I know being a child, I'm disobedient. I listen to everything my parents told me. I did stuff I wanted to and ignored them even when they were telling me to avoid danger. Yeah, well, I, I agree. I agree, my brother. Well, we, it's, it's time for us to go, but we want to thank you for that thought. And most definitely, we do have the power to change our culture and make it more, as he said, unified, because that is the answer. Thank you so much, uh, Brother Kareem. Thank you to my, our American Muslim 360 family. And thank you to all who listened in and joined in. And you can go to YouTube and just type in, Conversations with God by Neil Donald Walsh, and you can hear the entire series. And, of course, you can, as Mama Joy said, have your own conversation with God and get the truth about what you should do with your life and let us expand our culture and create wise elders among us who are equipped to raise this upcoming generation of children with love. That is the solution, and that's why we're here. We thank you all so much. Join us again tomorrow as we hear Soulful Solutions with Dr. Debbie Green. Until then, continue to shine. to the end of our show today, but you can hear every show in the archives at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash the-female-solution. You can also hear today's show on the Female Solution Facebook page. Go to www.facebook.com slash the-female-solution. Leave your comments about today's show. You can always reach me on my website at www.naimalatif.com. That's www.naimahlatif.com. Watch our TV shows, listen to our radio shows, order our books, and be sure to get your copy of the book, The Female Solution. On behalf of our team of radio hosts, I'd like to thank all of you who participated in today's discussion. And to our global family listening from all around the world, we say thank you. To our family in China, Sheshe, India, Zanyaba, Japan, Arigato, Korea, Kamsanida, Russia, Spasiba, Germany, Danke, Poland, John Kujun, France, Merci. Spain, gracias, Italy, grazie, Egypt, shukran, Ghana, medasi, Nigeria, eshe, South Africa, Ngiabonga, Senegal, Jared, Kenya, 
Asante. Israel. Toda. Pakistan. Shukriya. Afghanistan. Tashakor. Saudi Arabia. Shukran. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Thank you. And may peace be upon you and the mercy of God and God's blessing.